Hi, my name's Andy Cope and welcome to the most uplifting podcast in the world. As a positive psychology researcher, I'm excited, delighted and honoured to be sitting in the podcast hot seat. The aim is to bring you guests who have something interesting or insightful or inspirational. They might have a story to tell, something clever, something simple, anything goes. We hope to inspire, educate, entertain and on a good day, maybe even make you chuckle. And why should you listen? Well, we figure life is relentless. It's full on. And most people are a million miles away from feeling as great as they could. So think of this podcast as a reminder or maybe a leg up to being a better version of you. Sometimes against the odds. So relax, open your ears, open your mind and allow me to bring you this week's amazing episode of the best podcast in the world. On with the show. Hello, Andy calling. Hello, are you receiving? Over. Hello, London. Andy calling from India. Over. <laughs> from India. Oh, my gosh. I'm on my travels three months, all right? Three months. Three months off, three months of jacking in work, three months of travel, three months of me on my own with a backpack um, traveling around India. But it doesn't stop the podcast. It can't. The show must go on. The podcast. We've got loyal followers. We've got listeners. that We have demands, don't you? So, um, plus, we've got an extra special guest that I just could not say no to. And he wasn't going to hang around. It's, very, it's not very often you're going to get a quantum physicist to come on a happiness podcast so you're going to be listening to a proper doctor in a few minutes uh, before we get that off for the ground just a couple of things local notices worth mentioning um, we now have offices in India and the US of A so Otter being brilliant is now available on a global scale so Sanj is taking India by storm already he's already started he's getting big crowds out there delivering the art of being brilliant in businesses and in schools and in universities and then we got Jim Pooleyopolis uh, Pooley thankfully as he's known um, he's accepted our mission uh, the challenge of taking the art of being brilliant across America so global domination of the happiness kind if you're in India if you're in America and you want to access our workshops in businesses and schools and universities you want well-being embedded then get in touch we can sort it also, just before we get on to today's uh, interview, uh, it is worth checking out our happiness shop. I know it's a blatant plug, but if you go to www.autobrilliance.co.uk, there is a shop on there. We have new books, Zest, just saying, could do with some positive reviews. Uh, we've got new posters. We've got just the most delicious mental wealth poster that would light up your office and your staff room. And we've got a new T-shirt. It is a super sexy, almost a bit hashtag LGBT. It just says happy on it. It's white. It is perfect perfect Christmas gift just saying right that's uh, the plug over with today's guest if you had a favourite number you know the world's favourite number apparently is seven it's the luckiest number or might, maybe it's three is your favourite number or maybe my favourite number is eight that's the number that I used to wear when I was a footballer so it's still my favourite number but if you had a favourite number it wouldn't be a t- <laughs> it wouldn't be a ten digit number would it that would be bonkers and your favourite number wouldn't be six two one zero 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 one zero 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 nobody has that as a favourite number except my next guest Where do we start? Um, Matt Pritchard, Dr. Matt Pritchard, uh, is into education, is into business, is into play. We're going to talk about risk. We're going to talk about curiosity and wonder. We're going to talk a little bit about Lego. Um, He's a quantum physicist, basically, that also doubles up as a magician. Um, So where would you start? Where would you start? Oh, by the way... Dr. Matt has also got the best TED Talk that you've never, ever seen. Seven minutes long. Get your eyes around 
Matt, we'll put a link to it. Get it round his, uh, get your eyes on his TED talk. Where would you start with a quantum physicist other than his little girl's dinosaur shoes? Enjoy. Right, okay, podcast listener. I, I mean, I'm, I am always excited, and I probably need to calm down a bit, but I'm doubly excited, quadruply so. I've got Dr. Matt Pritchard on the other end of Skype today. Now, I'm not quite sure how to describe him, really. He's probably going to describe himself in a second. Science magician maybe sums it up in two words. Um, he does work in schools. He works with organisations. Uh, and he, he's wowing audiences. And I, I can, you know, I can promise you that because I've seen him twice and he's wowed me twice. Now, in terms of magic circle, um, there is a magic circle. We've all heard of the magic circle. What you didn't know, there's an inner magic circle of 300 special people. He's in that as well. So I'm assuming he's in there. I'm assuming Harry Potter and Voldemort are in that with him too. Um, when I signed Matt up for the podcast, I was kind of super excited. I went straight on Twitter. And because I'm the doctor of happiness and I'm very aware that's a really cheesy title. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I've just found somebody with a worse title than me, a doctor of magic. So I tweeted Matt, a doctor of magic, and he tweets me back, going, no, sorry, Andy, it's not that exciting. I'm actually, a, I've got a PhD in atomic physics. Not so exciting. But that makes me more excited because he knows quantum stuff as well. And I'm fresh off his TED Talk, having watched it about 10 times. And if you haven't ever seen Matt Pritchard's TED Talk, get on it. My only criticism is it's only seven minutes and I wanted more. So, fella, how the bloody hell are you? I, uh, I'm good, thank you, Andy. Good thanks for good inviting me on. Oh, well, no, thanks for, having, well, thanks for giving me half an hour of your time. We've got so much to cover. I'm almost not sure where to start, but I am fresh off your TED Talk. Can we start with, um, maybe we can start with talking about your daughter's dinosaur shoes. Because I thought yeah. it was really, really smart. Can we go there and see where that takes us? Absolutely. So my my daughter's getting on for six years old now, but uh, she was at nursery school and we've got her this lovely pair of uh, dinosaur trainers. And she just came back from nursery one day saying, oh, she doesn't want to wear them because girls aren't allowed to wear dinosaurs. And yeah, <laughs> Shock exactly. Shock horror. And it's like, I just just like, I. Uh, why yeah, are, why, go on, go on. Why, so why aren't girls allowed to wear dinosaurs? Well, there's no reason why they can't, but it's just, it's doubly shocking that at so fr- she must've been three at the time, her three-year-old friends had already got in their heads that boys wore dinosaurs and girls wore princesses. And you're just saying, oh, this gender imbalance just starts at such an early age. But then, but then in your TED talk, you go into that and kind of not quite ranting against the education system, because I'm sure you love teachers and a lot of your work is done with teachers, but the frustrations of, well, social learning, basically, isn't it? The, the messages that society is, is giving us, even from the age of three, is really powerful. And your daughter feels she needs to conform, doesn't she? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so uh, I, I love what school can do for children and, and teenagers, but equally so much of our education and also moving on to our, our, our business is it's all about finding the answer. And uh, education is just a game of almost learning and then regurgitating the answer as opposed to learning that there's there's multiple perspectives for me effective education is about seeing the connections between things not necessarily the the actual the individual facts and it's about teaching people to go away and learn and discover themselves oh, i love it i love it well we're into uh, curiosity and wonder which are your things all over your website yeah. which I, lo- I do love those so and also in your ted talk you talk about the i think what you've just alluded to there 
is the middle ground between the wow and the how. And I think this is where your magic comes in. So, so tell me about the middle ground between the wow and the how. So really, this uh, the TEDx talk that I gave was just what first sparked that off, because uh, for a number of years, I've sort of got this catchphrase of wow, how, and now. So wow, that's amazing. How does it work? And then now what can we do with it? Now what could we do differently? Uh, and then... Uh, in preparation for the TEDx talk, my uh, the person I was working with in terms of coaching was saying, I'm really fascinated by that middle ground between the wow and the how, because often we we rush too quickly into explaining something and we we don't dwell in that uh, that I call it the quantum state of wonder, the, the state of knowing and unknowing of realizing there's something more here and yet you can't put your finger on it. You can't explain it. And I think that's what a lot of researchers, they, they live in that world of trying to, uh, they, they, there's something interesting, but they can't, they can't pin it down. And that for me, that's a real state of wonder. It is a state of wonder. And you do it. I mean, once again, I want everybody to watch the TED Talk, but you make a wheel roll uphill. I mean, it is very odd. Yeah, so I've got this uh, various demonstrations that I use in uh, particularly school settings of something so obvious, just a round wheel, and you put it at the top of the hill and it rolls downhill. And everyone knows that. And then suddenly you put it at the bottom of the hill and it rolls uphill. And at that point, you just see in people's faces that well, you just made that face yourself. Well, that's, that the wow. that's the like, wow, isn't it? That, that is the wow. That confusing moment of uh, it's counterintuitive. It goes against everything we've been learning since since a baby. And I think because it's defined gravity and gravity is that force that we're so familiar with, what goes up comes down. And yet this starts down and goes up. And it just sparks so many questions and uh and leads on to uh, people wanting to know how it's how it's done. Indeed. And so, well, and so in schools, I use uh, these sort of demonstrations just to, to spark that curiosity of wanting to know how it's done. Yeah. Well, I love it, mate. I mean, I um, uh, believe it or not, I do try and write about the quantum quantum stuff in my in some of my books, and I get totally lost in it. But I love the idea that nothing's real and reality is created in your head and all that. it just blows my mind and you do you know the fact that a particle being two places at once i'm like okay that's interesting but i mean you you've actually studied this at a phd level i'll come back to that in a bit in in one of our other podcasts i did a podcast with i think it was a richard gerver one who's a big speaker in schools and he talked i think on the podcast he talked about you know when you when you go on a parents evening and you've got a you've got a 10 minute slot with the teacher and you sit outside the, the classroom waiting for your go and, and all the kids books are all arranged so so what you got what you're supposed to do is leaf through your kids exercise books and look at their maths so you've got a vague idea what they've been doing before you get your slot with the teacher and you sit there nervously as a parent going through your kids books and Richard, but you also want to look at all the other kids books yeah you do as well, yeah you compare, you? And compare. Like, it's awful but you want to compare where's your kid We've in relation there. to it but he got he does this thing where it all his, his I think it was his son and his son it was all ten out of ten all his spellings are correct everything's neat and it's all perfect and he says most parents would have gone in there thinking that was amazing but he went in there a little bit angry with the teacher he's like you are not stretching my child why is everything so perfect why is everything right first time 
And I think you hit the thing about your TED talk. It's fantastically entertaining, and there's magic in it. But it's more that much deeper than that. You know, questioning education and and the, and this curiosity thing. So, I think getting things wrong is really important in terms of, of oh, absolutely, working. yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about the wonder and curiosity and awe and all the stuff that you do. Well, no, no, let's, let's stop that. Let's go back to magic. Ah, uh, the heck. Do you, as a PhD astrophysicist, become embroiled in magic? I'm assuming, I'm assuming it was from age five. You've always been into it. So very close. So I, was, I think I'm, I'm one of those cliches in the magic world of as a, as a kid got a magic set or got a magic book and that just sparked my interest. Uh, went into school, showed my mates the tricks and they all said it was rubbish. Um, and, and I went away and uh, did a bit more practice and tried again and it, it's still rubbish and Matt stopped doing it. And I don't know, maybe uh, pig headed, maybe just kept on going to the point where Oh, okay, it's it's all right. And then uh, later on, it'd be show me another one, and 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 push through that point of it's terrible to it's okay to be actually. Could we pay you to do it? Mm. And so uh, magic, magic for me was always a it's a hobby throughout my teenage years, and I think it's a great hobby. I I, I remember really struggling transitioning from. Uh, uh, probably a 12-year-old into a 14-year-old because all the toys, all the stuff I loved doing, I was big into Lego, had so much Lego, suddenly lost its interest. And yet all the stuff that I saw older teenagers and adults interested in, I I didn't have an interest in. And, and I, I struggled. I remember birthdays and Christmases for a couple of years going, I don't know what to get because I'll, I'll get action men and that didn't do it for me. I got something else, and uh, and then I got into magic. And magic can be can be all consuming because it's there's so much to it. There's the the performance side. There's the art and craft of making your own props. There's learning about how the brain works and how you can trick them. Bit of psychology there. There's some rich history there in the magic world. Uh, there's if you want to go down the the manipulation and work on the dexterous side of magic. If you want to explore the mathematical side of magic as well there's some great stuff there and i think and it's again it's a cliche a lot of magicians use magic as a as a social crutch of sort of you find yourself in a party or a social situation and it just helps break the ice yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, but yeah, but there, I mean, there's amateur magic and then there's what you do, which is like phenomenal. And then linking it to either an educational point or an awesome wow point or a how the heck did he do that point that gets me curious. And, and that's, it's a beautiful way of, well, you've drawn me in and I'm 52, right, mate? If I was 11, I'd be absolutely hook, line and sinker into, right, I want to know more about this. So I think, it, I think, I think it's almost, <laughs> it should almost be every teacher, every newly qualified teacher should be able to do some magic just to, you know, yeah, it's really important actually. So I'm, I'm excited, mate. I'm excited yeah. about what you do. I mean, how did, at what point did you, did you think actually kind of the whole physicist and magic, you can make a career out of it? Because that's quite a leap, isn't it? Yeah. So for many, many years, magic and science were two parallel threads to my life. Uh, magic was what I did in my spare time. And I went through university doing doing physics uh after finishing my phd 
I wanted to do something quite different. I wanted a bit of a break because actually for a lot of people doing a PhD can be a real uh, head trip. It can be so, uh, there's so many demands on your time and especially when you're doing experiments, if the experiments don't work as you'd expect, uh, you find a lot of mental health issues I think with PhD students, I know from my own experience, I found myself going through a phase when I was getting quite depressed and, and some of my other colleagues. Mate, I did a PhD struggled. in happiness that actually made me cry. Yeah. So I'm absolutely with you. It's a very, it's a very lonely way of learning actually, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and it just feels that weight of pressure on your shoulders for you personally to get the results uh, that you need. And it's, you can't just step away because you've just invested so many years literally of your life into it that you you feel I, I need to get this and and so I finished my PhD wanted to do something different so I found a, a performing arts course uh, down in Birmingham which nine months of doing a gap year what I learned off the back of it was I can't sing dance or act <laughs> <laughs> Which is never great, never great for uh, a performing arts course is that you can't do the three core skills. But what I did love and the real focus of the course was theatre and education. I love the workshops uh, at the end of the performance piece. All my all my teammates hated that five minutes when they basically put their costume down and were themselves in front of the a school audience and just talked. I relished that moment. Mm. I hated the 55 minutes beforehand and the five minutes when I could be myself mm. is when I came alive. And so I came out of the performing arts course realizing what I do love is communicating, but I'm, I'm more of a presenter than a performer. I, I'm much more comfortable being myself than trying to be someone else. Mm, that's, and, yeah, well, that's, I mean, you basically, you're talking about in terms of positive psychology here, you've, you've found your strengths, haven't you? And you know what lights you up. Yeah. And then you've managed to kind of craft a career that takes your science and it takes you, your passion, because science probably isn't the passion. I think magic's the passion. Is that right? I think what I loved the most about my PhD was actually the communicating the the science, so taking quite a complex, and I loved the, the the more complex the idea, the bigger the challenge. So trying to communicate that to the general public, but in a, a creative manner, yeah, so simplifying yeah. it and doing it in a creative manner. So for me, where the links between magic and science are, I think it all it all centers around this idea of wonder, which we've been talking about before. Uh, science effectively is trying to explain and understand things that are wondrous. Magicians, we've took something that's wondrous. We, we slightly selfishly keep it to ourselves and then share it on with someone else. So I think magicians and scientists share that sense of wonder. The difference is scientists are a lot more transparent in the workings behind things mm, interesting yes i think i think we're in the same game mate i'm what we try and do is we try and take positive psychology and simplify it without without dumbing it down too much i don't want it dumbed down but we want it simplified so it becomes a doable thing and we kind of try and challenge people as well in particularly challenging the the habits that you get into mentally and the your brain gets stuck in a rut of the same old thinking and, and the same old habits as yesterday and trying to break people out of that I think is one of the keys to well-being um, in turn back, back to the Lego the Lego thing it's just a thought that occurred to me I did a keynote for um I can't remember who it was now but it was one of the child um early years uh teachers and stuff we're, we're a fantastic audience 
And um, I just beamed the picture of Lego up, you know, because when I was a kid and probably when you were a kid, Lego was just a mass of bricks that if you trod on, it really hurt your feet. But I had thousands and thousands of Lego bricks, completely yeah. different shapes and sizes, but they were all Lego bricks. And now if you buy Lego, you buy a Battlestar Galactica or a Starship Enterprise, and it comes, mate, with instructions. It comes with a picture of what you've got to achieve at the end of it. It's not free-form creativity anymore. You almost need a PhD in, in, in mechanical engineering to construct. Have you seen them? To construct the thing nowadays, you, a kid can't do it. You need dad or mum or granddad involved. It almost destroys the creativity, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I'm, I'm loving the fact that my daughter's of an age where I can buy them Lego for Christmas and birthdays <laughs> and get away with it. And, and admittedly, I've got into it again as an adult. So I've now got behind me, uh, I've moved my chair. Like, I know that the, the listeners won't be able to see, but just behind me, I'm pointing at, I've got some Lego. You are a uh, Lego geek, out. man. Yes. Yeah. And there's a Lego. And I, I enjoy that. But also what I really love is just that general box of Lego we've mm. got in the home where we tip it out in the carpet. Yes. Uh, and then just say, right, what are we going to make? And my daughter will say, well, let's make a whale. And we go, right, okay, I was thinking of something a bit more simple. And then, okay, how do we make a whale from uh, uh, from what we've got here? And, uh, and at the end of it, that is far more satisfying than following some instructions. Yes, I think I think so too. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, Lego never, ever had instructions when I was growing up. It was just the bricks. And it just gets more complicated and, and more technically... Yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm not ranting against Lego. I love Lego, but uh, right. I know, I know this podcast is about you, mate. But can I just tell you a very quick thing that happened to me? And because we do our art of being brilliant stuff now in schools, and I did, I can't remember if I've, I might have told this on a different podcast, but I I had a session in Sheffield, right, with year sixes. So for non-teachers, they're but they're about ten years old. So and I had two year six classes crammed into one class, and I had uh, two 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 days with them on a Thursday and a Friday. And I was taking them through the science of happiness, the science of well-being, really, really good stuff. You know, lots of videos, lots of interaction. And so the bell goes on Thursday break time, uh, half past 10, and the kids go out for playtime. And I'd never been in the school before, so I, I did what the adults do. I followed the kids, I followed the staff down to the staff room, had a cup of tea, had a biscuit, made some small talk in the staff room. And I looked out, as I was having my 20-minute break, I looked out onto the playground and out there, there were 450 kids having the time of their life, right? Running around, full of energy and passion. They were playing hopscotch. They were skipping. They were playing football. And there was these two girls who were completely lost in their own world. One of them was twizzling the other one around. And they were just sort of counting the number of twizzles it takes to go across a playground. The most amazing. They're just totally self-absorbed in that game. They were in the middle of the game of football. They didn't even know because they were so in the moment. And then, of course, what happens is somebody rings a big brass bell. And the kids freeze, right? So they've learned that bell means you've got to stop what you're doing and you've got to stand there until the bell rings again, which releases them from that, and they line up. So year six, five, four, three, two, one. They do this every day. It takes 45 seconds. They get, they get lined up. And as the observer looking out on that scene, it seemed to me, it seemed like, right, kids, you've had your fun. Now there's some top-heavy fractions to be done. So wipe that smile off your face and get your backside back in the class. So the kids, with all the enthusiasm knocked out of them in 45 seconds, troop back into school, heads down, back to the lessons. So I watched all that un unfold, and I, and I went back in with my year sixes, 65 of them crammed into this class, and, I, and they're all sweaty and hot because they've been playing outside. I said, right, guys and girls, I've just watched you out there. That was incredible. I've just seen 20 minutes of energy and passion. I've never, you know, it's so amazing. So I said, what, I'm back again tomorrow on the Friday. So I said, what are we going to do tomorrow? 
What if shall we do it differently? Shall we do a world first in Sheffield? So tomorrow at break time, what if I can arrange it so that me and you lot, we all go in the staff room at break time and we send the staff out for playtime? And the kids are, oh, I'm not sure you're allowed to do that. You know, we've never done that before. I said, like, I'm going to have a word with the head teacher and make that happen. So I had a word with the head teacher. She wasn't keen, to be fair, but I pers- persuaded her. And so Friday comes, mate. Friday comes. And I've got <laughs> 65 kids turning up to school an hour early. They are desperate to get into school, banging on the door. Is it happening? Is it? I think I think it's happening. We got to break. I got them through to break time. Absolutely ex- ex- off the scale of excitement. Bell goes for break time, and a bit pied piperish, me and 65 kids make our way down to the staff room, and 47 staff went out for playtime. Now, it was a bit, you know, you've had these moments where I've got every single member of staff's gone. It's me and 65 kids, and there's a kettle and boiling water, and they've found the quality street. It's getting a bit out of hand. So I had to kind of distract them because I was out of my depth. So I said to the kids, oh, my gosh, look out the window. Have you ever seen anything like that? So the kids down tools, and they all got their noses up against the window, and we looked out onto the playground, and those 47 adults out there stood there with their arms folded, not knowing what to do, looking totally bored, looking at their watches as their 20 minutes ticks by. And Chloe, I remember Chloe, one of these little girls, she was quite upset. She says, little little frown on her face. Andy, she says, jamming her finger out at the play. She says, Andy, why are they not playing? And I said, well, I'm not absolutely sure, Chloe, but I think, I think perhaps they just forgot. And I think, I think that's about as close to the truth you'll ever get is, is that a lot of the awe and the curiosity and the wonder that, that you're talking about, and I'm absolutely up for as well, I think it somehow, oh, what am I trying to say? We forget. Do we not just forget? Yeah, I think so. And I think there's 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 quite a few things you've touched on there. I think the first thing that struck me is just the concept in schools, we call it playtime and the idea that you go out for 15 minutes for play mm-hmm. and then the rest of school is it's not play. learning. It's not play. And mm-hmm. and I think we, we set this up that play isn't learning. Uh, and I, I don't like that at all. For me, uh, play is a brilliant way to learn. It's mm. play is just a safe space to make mistakes mm. and try things and entertain ideas. And it might work and might not. But who cares uh, whether it works or not? <laughs> Imagine that as a strap line on the school website. Yeah, it might work. It might not. Who cares? Yeah. You know, the parents would be up in arms with that, mate. But I, I think um, the more you think about it, the more it makes perfect sense. And we don't we don't have playtime in business, do we? And, <laughs> Very rarely. I, I love Very that. Rarely. And I think I think most people recognise that sometimes our best ideas come from having a walk or a shower or something like that, where where we're just relaxed and let our subconscious bubble away. And and you just think, why don't we, if we run a business, why don't we create those sort of shower time moments with let let employees play and explore. I know some businesses do. They allow them to have a certain percentage of their time to do things. But uh, Mate, I, we you have... said, I just pick you up on something there. You said sometimes our best ideas come in the shower or on a run. Always, 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 always. I think the be- people's best ideas come when their minds are not thinking about the problem. Mm-hmm. It's almost a subconscious thing, isn't it? It's like, ding, got it. Yeah. And then we penalise people to take when they take long lunch breaks or something like that. And actually, reality is, if they had another fifteen minutes, they might have solved their <laughs> afternoon problem and uh, come back and uh, 
Yeah. Okay, so we're both advocating that people work less hard and um, we create an environment where play is part of the deal. I think so, yeah. And I think uh, it's that thing of when you're up against the cold face all the time and there's the pressure to deliver, 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 you you never get chance to try new things and you never get chance to just take a step back and evaluate and go, actually, is this the best way of doing things? Mm. And by making a bit more, more of a buffer in people's day, then there is time for that evaluation. There is time for trying things. Mm. And I think one of the most toxic questions a business can ask is, and even, well, any, any organization is this, whose fault is that? As soon as we, we personalize failure, no one's going to want to stick their necks out and make mistakes because it's going to be personal. Mm. How many times do we see on the news that's, that's businesses, it's whole government reports on things that have gone wrong. How many yeah. inquiries have we got going into things that have gone wrong? We and never inquiries ever, into inquiries. And we never have an inquiry into what's brilliant, do we? And, and in fact, there's a whole thing called appreciative inquiry. I don't know if you've come across it. It's, it's kind of a bit niche. But in businesses, it's like, uh, why don't we have a, um, a conference on what's going well? Why don't, sh- shall we talk about what's, what's really working in this organization and what, what's making our customers go, wow? And by just changing your language, then opportunities kind of start to, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on here, but we're having meetings about the bad stuff. Exclusively, we're having meetings. If you send a, a stroppy letter to to a, a company saying the service is terrible, that letter will go straight to the owner of the business or the managing director and action will be taken immediately. But if you say send a letter of thanks, that won't go to the chief exec. They won't, they won't celebrate that. Yeah. It'll just go, you know. So, so we, we're kind of, it's negativity bias, isn't it? Which I'm sure you know about. It's like we're predisposed as a human being to look at what isn't working and what's going wrong. Yeah, and then uh, uh, because that, that message isn't getting to the top, you often find that so many people right at the top of an organization just feeling really isolated as well because all they hear is negative, 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 and they don't, they don't get the encouragement Mm, no, I agree. Okay. So business-wise, mate, just to finish off on businessy stuff. So you, I know that you, I've seen you twice and uh, absolutely brilliant and I've seen, but it's both been the school context. Is I'm assuming most of what you do is school, is like with teachers or with kids. Do you do business stuff as well? I do a bit of business. I'll be honest, most of my work is school-based or within the education system, doing a bit of teacher CPD. Uh, but Probably 80% of my time is in front of pupils. Okay. I think uh, on, on the business side of things, yeah, is exploring the idea of, of play, of creating safe spaces, uh, of cultivating that sense of wonder. And also, and I think for me personally, and also in businesses, it's, I think one of the key messages that I'm coming out of this, this last year or so of reading is just this idea of slowing down yeah and i think uh we, we we see it all around us we we know lives are run at too fast a pace but i think this message of slowing down is just it's just at times just getting lip service from leaders whereas actually uh we're we're running our staff ragged uh and uh, just a bit of time to rest recuperate reflect and revise would be great 
<laughs> well, I think, well, I would implore any business listening to this, and I know there's loads of businesses listening to the podcast, is book Matt to do something in your business because not only is the magic fantastic, but the points he makes. But I, everybody listening to this must be going, do you know what? It's bang on. The message is bang on. Right. Okay, mate. So the last question, last question as our half an hour rattles past is um, what makes you happy? This is basically a happiness podcast. So what makes Dr. Matt happy? So I get great pleasure from seeing my own children learn and develop and play. And I think a lot of parents get pleasure there. But also I get pleasure in really obscure small things, uh, things that uh, just make me go, wow. So uh, let me give you a really simple example of something. So uh, uh, if you're you're listening on the podcast, you might want to write uh, this number down. So it's, uh, it's, it's 10 digits. It starts 6210001000. So a big number. It's, it's my favorite number because when you look at it, there's in that number you've got in front of you, there's, there's six zeros, there's two ones, there's one two, there's no threes, no fours, no fives. You'll find there's one six, no sevens, eights or nines. And if you look at that number, it starts with a six. So it just says, well, there's six zeros and then it's got two in there. There's two ones and one, two. It's uh, what we call it an autobiographical number. It just describes itself. And do you know what? <laughs> that, that makes me happy. Just discovering these weird things and sharing it with people. Six, two, one, zero, 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 one, zero, zero, zero is an autobiographical number. Well, there's some learning right there. What a geek you are, mate. It's know, such, a, such a pleasure to have you on. Whew. Okay, matey. All right, I'll leave it there because uh, half an hour's up and I don't want to take too much of your time. Right, I've learned loads. And, and the, I think the biggest thing is is the passion that, with, which you, with you, which you come across. So there is an element of wow in the magic, but it's actually, there's a lot of substance, a massive amount of substance behind it. Uh, I think you should develop a workshop for businesses based on the quantum thing and how your mind works because that would oh my gosh you'd be so busy all right fella i will leave it to that thank you dr matt pritchard we'll put a link to your we'll put a link to your um ted talk and to your website and and all that good stuff so we'll hopefully drive some people your way as well potentially another thing you might be interested in i've uh the last year i've set up a project called words on wonder.com words on wonder.com i interview Lots of really interesting people, creative people, scientists, magicians. Uh, there's a, a doctor of happiness featuring there, there as there well. There is, yes. Yes, and he that, was good, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And it's just really fascinating <laughs> seeing what people, what makes them go wow and what makes them curious. So that's a, that's a good thing just to dip into now and right. again. Fabulous, matey. All right, thanks. Have re- enjoy the rest of your day, fella. Cheers. You too. Cheers. And that, dear listener, is that. I hope you found it as interesting and as useful and as stimulating as I did. Congratulations, by the way, on making such a great choice of listening material. Please subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I wish you well. You've been listening to the Art of Brilliance podcast. Listen to and subscribe to all our podcasts at www.artofbrilliance.co.uk slash podcasts. Thank you.